You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Sean Myers as he delivers Becoming a Forgiving Family. Well, welcome to 12 Stone here and across all of our campuses and online for this Memorial Day weekend. And man, we celebrate our freedom here today, but I think it makes sense to start off the teaching today by celebrating as a church in many locations all together the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Can we thank our Lord and Savior here this morning? Absolutely. Amen. To him, all the glory goes, man. We are free indeed because of Jesus. And we've been talking about at 12 Stone lately because of Jesus. That's the hope we have. That's the hope we stand on and live for in everything we, we do. And we've been talking about transforming families and how that happens through Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about how can we become a forgiving family. So we become a forgiving family by becoming a forgiving family person. In fact, there's one thought that I want you to take home today. I believe God wants instead of your, inside of your heads, inside of your hearts here today. It's on the top of your notes. You can write it down uh, here as we kick it off. I want to give it to you right off the front. See, we have to forgive like we've been forgiven. We have to forgive like we've been forgiven. In fact, here's what we're going to do. You're writing it down right now, taking those notes. But let's say it all together here and across all of our campuses and online as well, uh, just so it's inside of our heads and our hearts here today. So on the count of three, all together, let's say this out loud. One, two, three. We have to forgive like we've been forgiven. Now, forgiveness isn't always easy, is it? Some points, it's not easy at all. But there are some things, some circumstances and moments in our lives that are easier to forgive and extend forgiveness to others than other moments. For example, uh, it wasn't too long ago, I was driving down in Atlanta. I don't do that often. In fact, I am a terrible driver when I'm trying to get directions and drive at the same time. I can just admit that. But I was down in Atlanta to see my roommate from college who was in town for a conference. And as I was driving, I couldn't get to the place, so I had to plug in the directions into my phone. And I don't know if, if I accidentally hit it or if my kids have been playing with my phone, but for whatever reason, Reason, my directions were on walk mode uh, inside of the phone. And if you don't know what that means, it, it, it assumes you're walking on the sidewalks. So I eventually take a right into a one-way street as traffic is coming straight at me because it thinks I'm going down the sidewalk. And I realize in this moment that this is not good. And the cars come at me and they stop. And I thought it was gonna be a terrible, terrible moment. But you know what? It really wasn't that bad. The guy that was in the other car looked at me. He let me know that I was the number one driver on the road that day. Uh, so I felt good about that. And in response, I kind of just sat there with him. We got in an argument about who the best driver was, the number one driver that day back and forth. Wasn't my best moment, I have to admit, but eventually backed out my car, drove off. Uh, and you know what? It, 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 while I was driving, God got a hold of my heart. He got a hold of my heart. And he's like, what was that about? Are you exchanging back and forth with this guy? Like, what are you doing? And I had to have a moment just to, to confess it before God, for, ask forgiveness of the anger I had in that moment. And if we can be honest, there's moments like that inside of our lives. Those are easy to forgive, right? I, I don't even know who this guy is. I'll probably never see him again in my life. That's easy to forgive and forget and kind of move on. But there are moments, there are circumstances, things inside of our lives that aren't as easy to forgive, are they? 
See, it's usually moments with those that are closest to us where the pain and the hurt is deep and real because the people matter to us. Have you ever wondered, I think it's so interesting that the people we claim to love the most are often the people we hurt the most. I mean, it, the people that birthed us, raised us, exchanged vows with us, live with us, work with us, serve with us. These people that we're claiming to love so much, we often hurt the most. Why is that? Why do we hurt the people that we love the most? Well, in order to understand that, we have to ask ourselves a question. And here's the question we have to ask. What causes quarrels and fights among us? Now, if you're like me, as soon as you see a question like this, you immediately think to yourself, which one? Like, there's so many that are going on, it feels like inside of my life, fights and quarrels. Uh, which one are you talking about? But, but the key to this question is the word causes. What causes quarrels and fights among us? I mean, honestly, uh, some of us are probably sitting next to the cause right now. Uh, you just are. Some of us, uh, maybe we dropped that cause off at the children's ministry before we came into service here today. <laughs> Cassie and I, Man, we have four causes in our household, uh, which means it's loud and there's lots of fights going on. But, but as soon as we read a question like this or hear a question like this, I think the overwhelming majority of us, we start thinking about something or someone else as the cause of the problem. I mean, whether it's conflict in the workplace with coworkers or in your neighborhood with your neighbors or in your family or with friends that are like family, we all have conflict in our lives. But it is our tendency to look for the cause of that conflict in something or someone else. But James, the brother of Jesus, wanted to chime in on this question and help us understand what the common denominator is inside of the conflicts, the fights that are inside of our lives. And he did it in his book, which was creatively titled James, in chapter four. Uh, and so let's throw it up on the screen. Here we go. This is what James says. He says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And what James is demonstrating and revealing to us is that the external conflicts, the external things that you're battling with inside of your life are a result of the internal conflicts waging within you. That if you and I get in an argument with one another, it's because something was waging war inside me. I had a desire inside of me that has spilled up and spilled on you and vice versa when it comes to conflict. So, so why do we hurt the people that we say that we love the most? Well, James would say that's simple. It's proximity. See, we hurt the people that we're closest to because when the conflict rises up within us, when our desires rise up within us, it goes on the people that are closest to us. See, the Bible's clear. I mean, what is every relationship? Whether it's with roommates that you have, whether it's in a dating relationship, in a marriage, or it's with parents and their kids or siblings, every relationship is just two broken people, two sinners close in close proximity to one another. That's why conflict happens. But James goes even further and he says, listen, but we can see what the actual problem is underneath it. He says this, what's the problem? What causes this fight is you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. James is saying the common denominator inside of all of our fights and all of our things that are going on is we, we just simply don't get our way. But we know this. I mean, all you have to do is look at kids, right? 
Like I said, I got four causes of conflict inside of my house with Cassie, which means there's lots of fights going on inside of our household. But when you look at kids, I mean, they're not fighting over the toy. They're not fighting over what they're going to watch on TV. They're not fighting over what they're going to eat for dinner. They're not fighting over what seat they get to sit in. It's simply two people trying to get their own way and one's not getting it. That's the fights and quarrels that are inside of our life. So when we talk about forgiveness today and extending it to one another and asking for forgiveness from one another, James makes it very clear from the very beginning, this is a heart issue. See, the common denominator, the, every relational problem I have, the common denominator is me. And the common denominator of every relational problem you have is who? Is you. That's what James wants us to see. So we're gonna have to let go of the things in our lives that are holding us back from forgiving one another here today so that we can forgive like we've been forgiven. That's what we're going after. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but maybe the thing that you're lacking in your relationships isn't really something you're lacking, it's something you're holding on to. That you need to let it go. And I think today God is calling you to let go, to forgive. And maybe it's to let go of needing control over people or the circumstances or situations around you. Maybe it's letting go of pain and hurt. Maybe it's letting go of having to defend yourself and, and always be right and always get the last word in. Maybe it's letting go of your pride, ego, or reputation, or letting go of pain of something, a mistake you made in the past. Maybe it's letting go of bitterness of a grudge that you've been holding on to inside of your life. Maybe what's holding you back in your relationships and in your families is something you're holding on to. See, I think God does his best work in forgiveness. That's where he shows up the most inside of our lives. It's how God grows our faith. See, forgiveness is how God teaches us to let go. So as we talk about these things that we need to let go of inside of our lives so that we can forgive like we've been forgiven, I wanna give you a picture of what this can look like, an inspiration for us as we move forward for the rest of this teaching. And what I wanna do is I wanna give you a picture of something that happened last week, a story that happened last week at our Flowery Branch campus. See, last week we had a conversation about what it looks like to be a man according to God's word, according to the standard of Jesus Christ that he set for each and every one of us. And as we talked about this, we had a great day breaking that down, but at the end of the service, we gave an opportunity for men to come forward and to get prayed over. Just an incredible moment. We watched the Spirit of God move on that moment over the men of 12 Stone. Just an incredible thing. But God wasn't just moving across the men of 12 Stone. God was moving on the life of a boy. A boy named Cameron, who's 12 years old. He comes from a great family, 12-stone family, that loves him deeply, blended family in that he has biological siblings, but they're also fostering and adopting those kids right now, which is awesome. But man, Cameron had some struggles in his life. He struggled with mental illness and still does. And he's had some bad years lately, and this year has been worse than most, where he's been struggling with anger and depression and rebellion and, and all of these things. And it hit a peak, really uh, just the worst case, and he had an episode inside of his school. And what happened is he just ran away from school, and they eventually found him. When they found him, they asked him what was going on, and he said, I don't know if I want to live anymore. I don't know if I believe in God. He was just a mess. And they went and got him help, and he's been getting help. His family's been loving on him, pouring into him, and God's been working on him. But last week, Cameron had a breakthrough. You see, when the campus pastors invited the men to come up and receive prayer, 
Cameron and his mom decided to go to the 1 p.m. service when they usually attend the 5 p.m. And in that moment, he turned and looked at his mom and he said, Mom, I want to go up there for prayer. He said, I'm tired of being a boy. I need to be a man. This little boy walked forward with all these other men watching him. We have a picture of it in this moment. And Cameron walks up there and Jason, a family friend who was in the service, saw this and knew the significance of this moment and walked up and put his hands on Cameron and just started praying and everybody's praying. And this is a picture of a young man letting go of being a boy. This is a picture of a young man letting go and trusting again in God to help him get through everything that's going on in his life. In church today, I believe God is giving you the same invitation that he gave to Cameron last week. That there is something inside of your life that you just have to let go of. It's time. It's time to move on and to trust God again with it. Or to trust your spouse again. Or trust inside of your family again. Extend that trust one more time and just let go. See, today is not a teaching to be heard Today is a decision to be made. I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna move on you today and ask you to let go of something that you've been holding on to because maybe the thing that's holding us back the most isn't something we lack, but something we're holding on to. And so we're gonna be vulnerable today. Extend trust one more time. So for the rest of our time here today, I wanna talk about four things that... Paul would encourage us to let go of inside of our lives. And we're going to break these down as we move, but it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you would, grab your worship center Bibles here and across all of our campuses. Pull them out. If you've got your device, pull that out. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, which in our worship center Bibles is page 1,176. Page 1,176. We're going to sit in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 22. But as you're turning there, I realize that not all four of these things that we're going to talk about today in letting go of are going to be your thing. I don't think all of them will apply to every single one of you. But I would ask you, man, be praying in this moment. Ask God. Say, God, would you reveal to me the one inside of my life that I'm holding on to that I need to let go of here today so that I can forgive like I've been forgiven. In fact, as you're turning there, let me pray for us before we read the word of God. Would you do that? Would you bow your heads with me here across our campuses? So Heavenly Father, we come before you right now as we open up your word. There is nothing more powerful than your word inside of our lives, speaking truth into the areas that we need it. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person here and across every single service at home, online, wherever they're at. Holy Spirit, would you consume them? Would you reveal your love for them? And God, as we talk about a very difficult subject today of forgiveness and extending it to one another and forgiving the people around us, Father, I pray that you would begin a work in every single one of our lives. I know that this isn't gonna be solved just in one day, Father, through one sermon. For many of us, this might just plant the seed of forgiveness in our soul that'll birth that later on, but God, I just pray that you'd be in it. And I pray this, God, there's there's real issues inside of our lives that's not gonna be solved by this. We're gonna need intense counseling. We're gonna need help and people stepping in and and working with us. And Father, if that's what needs to be done, would you just help us to do that? But may a new work begin in our lives today as we let go of some things to glorify you. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. 
We're going to pick up in verse 22. Here in this moment, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's encouraging them to let go of some things inside of their lives that are holding them back so that they can move forward in forgiveness as a church and as a family. Verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off, meaning let go of, your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, meaning it's a heart issue, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now in this moment, Paul, he's literally saying that there are things we need to put off, let go, uh, that is our old former self, that when we give our lives to Christ, we begin this process of being renewed, becoming new, birthed again in Jesus, a new person. And he's about to begin to tell us all of these things that we need to let go of. And it begins with the desires of our heart. And I believe one of the desires of the old self that we have to let go of is control. So if you're taking notes, you can write it down right, right here. Let go of control. Now, the Enneagram personality test is a hot thing right now, isn't it? Listen, if you haven't heard of it, uh, you will. Yeah, you're hearing about it right now. Uh, it is one of those things that I thought was so annoying. Everybody's like, oh, my number's this. And I'm like, great, that's awesome, uh, whatever. And, and, then, and then somebody encouraged me actually to take the test. And man, that personality test will peg you. It will put you in your place and tell you exactly who you are. If you've never taken it, it's literally a number system that kind of breaks down, tells you your personality and, and your strengths and weaknesses and all of that. Well, I finally gave in and took the test. So for those that know, you'll care. For those that don't, just appease me, work with me here uh, for, for just a moment. I took the test, and I'm an eight, is what I found out, which is defined as the challenger. Immediately, I'm like, great nickname. That, that's it. I feel good about this. They pegged me the challenger. But this is what it means. It means each morning, I have to wake up and acknowledge that there's a God, and I'm not him. That's what it means. Like, is there anybody that is like me in this room that you are just a control freak? I'm a control freak. I want to control everything and everyone around me. No one is telling the truth today. That's all right. I'm all by myself. Uh, that's me, man. I want to control everything. I want to control the people around me. I want to make sure that everything is what, the way I like it and what I want to do. And, and listen, when we try to control things around us, it creates conflict for others and ourselves in our lives, doesn't it? See, there are things in your life you simply just cannot control, and you have to realize it. Let, for instance, you've probably seen this before, but it'll help us. Uh, let's go uh, draw a circle on your bulletin. Right, right beneath this point, go ahead and draw a circle on your bulletin. And then inside of that circle, I want you to write your name. Write your name. They'll put mine up here. Uh, Sean. Inside of this circle is what I can control. I can control myself. Anything outside of this circle, we, we can't control. So you can't control the traffic in your commute to work. You just can't. You can't control how long it takes your wife to get ready. You just, it, there's nothing you can do. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. It, you can't control the college football rankings as much as you want to. You can't do that. Listen, there's things I can't control. I can't control my family. I, I can't control them. I can't control my wife, my kids. I can't do that. I can't control my height. There's nothing I can do about it. This is as good as it gets. There are things in our lives we simply cannot control. But when we try to, this is when conflict shows up. This, you know how this plays in our relationships? It, sometimes I believe the lie that if I could just control my family, I could fix my family. I could fix them. 
That's so easy. That's super easy. And you know what we do? We read Paul's words in verse 24, and we unintentionally put our own name in the verse. It's how we live sometimes. Like, like I'll read it with my name in, in this verse. Verse 24, here's what we do. We say this. And to put on the new self, created to be like Sean, in true righteousness and holiness. See, life would just be so much easier if everybody was like me. It'd be great. This word would be beautiful. Everybody would drive faster. We'd get to work early. Chick-fil-A would be open on Sundays. It'd be amazing. <laughs> right? But, but listen, we do this unintentionally. We just, we want to create people to be like us because life would be so much easier if everybody was like me. But that's not what God has called us to do. Like, that's not what we're supposed to do inside of our lives. Here's what I mean. Here's what we have to realize. Other people's lives are not our project. They're God's. I'm not called to fix my wife. I'm called to fix what I can control, which is myself. There's more to fix in me than her. I tell you that much. Listen, what you can't control, you need to pray for. That's what I do. When I can't control something, I pray for it. I don't try to fix it. Many of us have been trying to control the things around us, the family members around us, and trying to fix that. But you can't fix it. It's God's problem, or project. The path to transformation isn't fixing people. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus. And we do that through prayer. Listen, I pray for my wife. I don't pray for God to fix her. I pray that she would become the woman that God called her to be. And, and frankly, I pray that I would serve and sacrifice for her in a way that, that God would be fully freed up to make her exactly who he created her to be. And let, let me give you, let me help you. So start praying for what you can't control. Start praying for your spouse. Start praying for your kids. You can't control it, but you can pray for it. You can surrender it to God. But when you do pray, don't tell them you're praying for them. Take it from me. Don't walk up to your spouse and say, hey, babe, praying for you. <laughs> Sensed you needed some help. And uh, calling in God, pulling up the big guy, and I've been praying for you. I, I can tell you what, what it's about if you want to. Don't do that. That's not going to help anybody. Right? Because you don't know how to fix them anyways. Only Jesus knows how to fix them. That's it. it, it listen, when we try to play God and control the people around us, we end up driving ourselves and everybody else crazy, don't we? And we look crazy in the process. Have you ever seen someone try to control something they can't control? It's hilarious to me. I was watching the Masters uh, last month. And I love watching some golf when it's a major tournament. Awesome thing seeing Tiger Woods get back to the top and win that. Wasn't the coolest thing about the day. The most fun thing for me about watching a tournament like that by watching golf is watching the golfers after they hit the ball, right? Because here's what they do. They walk up to the tee. They do a little shake, whatever they got to do to get it right. Get all set. You're welcome for that view. And uh, well, they, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to be back here. Uh, this is my last week speaking at 12 Stone. And... What they do is they stand in front of that ball and they swing it and they hit it. And every golfer, after they hit the ball, you'll eventually see them do this. And they start leaning one way or the other. And it's so ridiculous to me. It's like, dude, that ball is gone. There is nothing you can do about that. Let it go. You can't control it anymore. But inevitably, every single one of them starts leaning like they wish it would go a different direction. But listen, we do that all the time in our relationships. We try to control one another. I guarantee there are moments where I make decisions in my life and my wife is standing by going, might want to go this way, bud, right? Now, now, 
Here's what we're all thinking. We're all sitting here going, oh, great, this is funny, great, let go of control. But what does this have to do with forgiveness? Let me tell you. See, many of us hold back forgiveness so that we can control someone around us. See, we hold back forgiveness so we can hold it over their head. In all of our relationships, we try to make progress and move forward. And what do we say? Well, you remember when you did that, right? We just hold it over one another. And maybe in your marriage or your relationships or whatever it looks like for you, God is going, man, you just got to let go of control. And you have to forgive like you've been forgiven. Where are you holding on to control by not giving forgiveness to someone around you? God would press in and say, let go of that. You got to let go of it. Paul continues in verse 25. He says this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. If you're taking notes, write this down. Let go of your lying and gossip. Let go of lying and gossip. How many of you have ever told a lie? Go ahead and raise your hand up. If your hand's not up, welcome to the club. Go ahead and raise it. Uh, everyone's told a lie. We've all told a lie. And in our relationships, we can deceive ourselves into believing that the cost of lying and gossip is less than it actually is. But lying and gossip, falsehood, as Paul puts it, damages relationships, tears apart a team, tears apart a business, destroys friendships, rips apart a family. Paul said you cannot isolate the impact of your lying and gossip because we're all part of one family, one body in Christ. It's going to hurt your relationships inside of it. You see, your words matter. Many of us are sitting here today with wrecked relationships because of the gossip or the lying that we've said about someone else or that they've said about us. And today we need to forgive like we've been forgiven. Look at verse 29. Look at how much this matters in what we say. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit those who listen. Listen, church, we need to let go of lying and gossip and falsehood and begin to build up one another instead. Let me ask you a question. Where are you tearing someone down with your words instead of building them up? We need to let go of these things to be the body of Christ and build one another up. Paul continues by talking about some areas that I believe are the hardest to let go of. This is where it gets intense. This is where we get to jump in. Paul gets real right here in verse 31. This is where it's gonna probably hit home for a lot of you. And I just wanna read first the first three words in verse 31. Just the first three words because there's a weight behind them that we have to understand. So you ready? Let's, verse 31, first three words. He says this. Get rid of. Get rid of. Now, in order to understand what Paul is actually trying to say in this moment, we have to know what the Greek translation actually meant here for get rid of. It means to remove or to separate yourself from. But in reality, that doesn't even give us the meaning behind what Paul is really trying to say. So, so let me ask you, how many of you have ever unintentionally walked through or run through a spider web? Anybody ever done that, right? You guys know that moment. Immediately, you start getting goosebumps, getting that weird feeling inside of you thinking about it. Like, immediately when you walk through a spider web, it's like, oh, dear God, get it off me. Like, what is it? 
Because when you walk through a spider web, with a spider web, there's always what? A spider, and he's on you. He's on you, there's no question about it. You know it. You walk through that thing, and you are just, you rip off your clothes, you don't even care what anybody thinks. Brush it off, get it off me. We know that feeling. This is what Paul is trying to say. This is what he's trying to get to with these words. Get rid of it. Listen, there are things inside of our lives that we couldn't possibly comprehend or understand fully, that they are costing us more than we could ever imagine. And what Paul is about to say is you have to get rid of the following things because it will tear you apart. It will rip your heart apart. It will destroy your relationships. It will be the very thing that stops you from being able to love and forgive the people around you. This is the weight of what Paul is about to say. Get rid of it. So he goes. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, meaning ill intent towards people. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Paul says, get rid of bitterness and anger because what's holding you back may be a grudge you're holding on to. We need to let it go. So you're taking notes, let go of bitterness, number three, and let go of anger for number four. See, bitterness, as Winston Churchill said it, is like swallowing poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else. It's just not going to. It's just gonna destroy you. You gotta let it go. See, we live in a fallen world where people hurt people And we've all been wounded because we've opened up our hearts to those we trust and love and they've hurt us. And we get deeply wounded because of it. And maybe there's some things in your past or in your relationships right here today that God is whispering in. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the anger. Give it back to me. Now I understand as I'm teaching on a subject that is oh so fun, that there are two groups inside of this room. The first group is sitting in here and you're thinking to yourself, I get it. Okay, I get it, I I gotta gotta forgive. I've never had the courage to reach out before to repair that relationship, but I get I have to do it today. But there are some of us in this room that you're sitting here and you're going, man, you, you just don't get it. You don't understand what they, what they did to me. You don't understand the pain and the hurt that it caused. You don't understand how many times I had to forgive the same thing over and over again. And you're telling me to forgive, to let it go? And you know what? I would probably sit down with every single one of you hear the story and the circumstance, my heart would break, I would mourn with you, cry with you, I'd look at you and probably go, man, I don't know how you could possibly let that go. That's a hard one. I don't know how you could possibly extend forgiveness in that circumstance. But you know what? How you feel, how I feel, our emotions based on the circumstances we've experienced, those are not the standard of forgiveness. 
See, after Paul has the audacity to tell every single one of us that he doesn't even know, couldn't possibly know our circumstances, after he has the audacity to say, get rid of the bitterness and anger and malice towards people around us, he then gives us the standard that we have to live up to, why we have to do this. It's in verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, we have to forgive like we've been forgiven. That's the standard we have to live up to. And Jesus knew about the pain that comes with relationships. Out of his 12 closest friends, one betrayed him, one denied him. When he needed them the most, all of them abandoned him. But he knew about the power of forgiveness, which is why he got up on that cross and paid for our sins, every single one of us, so that we're free from shame and guilt. And when he was hanging on that cross, Jesus looked out and saw every single one of us, including those in front of the cross, and said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what, to do, what they do. That is the standard of forgiveness we're called towards. Never has this world ever seen forgiveness like that, and never will they ever see it again. That's the standard. See, God is pressing in with you today, I promise. He's saying, listen, you have to forgive like you've been forgiven. What do you need to let go of? What have you been holding on to for so long? See, Proverbs 4.23 shows us why this matters, why we get this out of our heart. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Let me ask you today, what's flowing out of your heart? Is it forgiveness or unforgiveness? Where in your family do you need to extend forgiveness, ask forgiveness? for what's taking place. And I'm gonna be the first to admit this. Can I, can I cut the tension really quick? Hey, listen, do you know how many times I have to apologize to my wife every single day? It's crazy, it would shock you. I make a lot of mistakes. And I constantly have to ask forgiveness for my wife, Cassie, every single day. And you know why I do that? That's not fake, that's intentional. Do you know why I do that? Because when we let it build up over time, it eventually leads to a blow up. And we just, we, we need to get honest. Just confess it to one another in front of the Lord. But I wanna, I wanna close with this. Forgiveness doesn't happen just in a moment. It's every single day. It's a divine, supernatural thing that takes place. It starts with our will, being willing to forgive. Maybe you need to write this down. But this should be your prayer every single day. God, I need to forgive. God, help me to forgive. God, cause my heart to wanna forgive. And just repeat that every single day. And look at the places you need to ask forgiveness in your life. But I know this. You can't offer forgiveness if you don't have it first. See, some of you have never received and understood the forgiveness that was displayed on that cross in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never had a conversation about who Jesus Christ is or, or, or what he died for, for your sins and how you can be restored through him, through his bloodshed, man, come find a pastor. Do not leave a building or your house or anywhere. Call someone if you're watching online. Call someone about Jesus. You need to know this forgiveness. But some of us, we can't forgive others because we can't forgive ourselves. We've made mistakes in our relationships that, man, we couldn't possibly let go of and we couldn't forgive ourselves of. But I want to remind you of something. We've said this before. 
The cross says that you are worth dying for. Forgiveness is for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus will forgive you, always. He just loves that much. He can't not be, he is love. So where in your life do you need to forgive like you've been forgiven? What are you holding on to that you need to let go of today? Is it control, lying and gossiping your words? Is it bitterness? Is it anger?